0: Hey, everyone, and welcome back to Big Mad True Crime, where we get big mad over true crime. I'm your host, Heather Ashley, and this week I bring you a case out of not Utah. This case comes out of Ohio, and it involves drugs, guns, and a five-month pregnancy. Even cats don't like small talk, so let's dive in. According to friends and family, Todd Burkhart, who is 28, and Kyla Hayton, who is 20, have been dating for a year and a half, and the two considered one another their soulmates. One another's ride or die, if you may. The two shared a shifty past that the other was ready and willing to look past. Todd had been in prison for burglary in 2011, and Kyla had a history of drug use. However... Some would argue that more recently, the pair had gotten their life together. Kyla had recently started a job at a dentist's office, and they'd just gotten their own place in Mansfield, Ohio. In fact, the couple had just put up their Christmas tree and were pretty excited about the home that they were building with one another. Kyla had a daughter when she was only 16, who she named Ariella, but it wouldn't be long before Ariella would become a big sister. After about a year of dating on July 31st, Todd and Kyla announced that they were going to have a baby of their own. And even better news, she was no longer actively using. She was on medication to keep her from detoxing and hurting the baby. They were due in March 2020 with a boy they planned to name Milo. The couple was over the moon, though the pregnancy didn't come without rumors. Todd shared some of the drama on Facebook, alluding to the fact that people may be questioning whether or not he was truly the father of this baby, saying, Everyone can shut the fuck up asking me about my son. I'm a grown man. I know he's my son, not anyone else's. I go to every single doctor's appointments. Y'all don't think they tell you the dates? It sounds like he was pretty certain the baby was his, but conception comes in four-week windows, and I have to wonder if they had recently split for a brief time before becoming pregnant. Todd announced the pregnancy on Facebook on July 31st. If the baby was his and they were due at the latest March 31st of 2020, they essentially would have been announcing their pregnancy the day they found out they were pregnant. Oh well, bottom line, they were pregnant, they were excited, they were getting ready to be a family of four. On November 16th, Kyla's mom came to their home in Mansfield to pick up their four-year-old daughter, Ariella, for a sleepover. Nothing weird about it, just a grandma being a grandma and giving Todd and Kyla some time to themselves. It was going to be a one-day thing, spend the day with grandma, and then get picked up the next morning. After Kyla's mom picked up Ariella, the couple hopped into Kyla's vehicle and headed to Columbus. It's said that Todd was dropping off a package in Columbus, and according to his sister, the two were going to drive to Dayton to pick up an AR-15 from a buddy he met while they were in prison together after his 2011 burglary conviction. Courtney said she was worried that Todd felt like his little family may be in danger and felt like he needed the gun for protection. However, Todd is a felon. He cannot legally own a gun, let alone an AR-15, so naturally he has to buy it from someone illegally. And from the sounds of it, the guy he's buying the AR off of doesn't sound like he's legally allowed to possess one either. This case is already off to a bad start. The entire trip probably should have taken five or six hours. It's two hours and 20 minutes to Dayton if you go through Columbus and consider dropping off a package and picking up a gun from a prison pal. They should have gotten back the evening of the 16th and certainly in time to pick up Ariella the next morning. But that never happened. When Todd and Kyla got to Dayton, he sent his sister a text saying that he was picking up the gun and heading home, and that was the last communication she would ever have with her brother. Sunday, November 17th, comes and goes, and no one can get a hold of Kyla or Todd, and no one has come to pick up little Ariella. Friends and family are texting and calling the couple and getting no response, and all calls are going straight to voicemail. And I've said it before, and I'll say it again, living people don't turn off perfectly good cell phones. That's what silent mode is for. From what I understand, the pair may have used pay-as-you-go phones, so there would be literally no reason for them to turn them off, especially if they had just bought Minutes. Sunday passes, and there's still no sign of Todd or Kyla. Kyla doesn't go to work on Monday or call in. Ariella is still at her grandmother's house. Kyla's dad says that she left her medication at home that keeps her from detoxing. She and her baby could be in serious danger, and it's now more clear than ever that they never meant to be gone for long. Todd's sister, Courtney, decides it's time to call and report her brother missing, and Kyla's father follows suit shortly thereafter. Kayla is described as 4 feet and 11 inches tall, a tiny little thing, weighing 100 pounds with brown hair and hazel eyes, and more importantly, she is 5 months pregnant. Todd is described as 5 feet and 10 inches tall, weighing 160 pounds with dark blonde hair and blue eyes, and instead of a sleeve, he has like a shirt, both arms, stomach, chest, and back, tattoos, everywhere. Three days later, on November 21st, 2019, police locate Kyla's car, which actually belonged to her father. It was abandoned in a parking lot in the 900 block of West Stewart Street in Dayton, exactly where they said they were going to pick up that gun. Police believe it had been sitting there for at least two days. There was no blood found in the car whatsoever. The only thing they did find was some paperwork from a doctor's appointment enclosed not only in but outside of the car. The only thing suspicious about this, other than Kyla and Todd being nowhere in or around the car, was that the driver's side door had been smashed in. Now, the window was broken, but there was no blood, so it would have had to have been done by a tool, and none of the broken glass cut anyone, so it sounds to me like Todd and Kyla had gotten out of the car and locked it before someone else decided they wanted to get in and take anything with value, which it doesn't sound like they found. Now, I pulled up a map of the 900 block of West Stewart Street in Dayton, and it looks like the only real place they could have found the car, based on the description, would be the parking lot of Midwest Iron and Metal. And it turns out I'm probably right here because Courtney makes a post on Facebook asking that if anyone had seen her brother or his pregnant girlfriend near the intersection of Wildwood and Stewart Street, to call police. Guess what's at that intersection? Midwest Iron and Metal. To add insult to injury, the parking lot was near one of the addresses frequently used by that friend Todd said that he was going to purchase this gun from, and when police knocked on his door, he was not there. Richland's source says that police also found two spent 9mm casings behind the vehicle, but authorities think that they're old and unrelated, they're bent and they look like they've been run over a few times. And while this might sound weird to some people, for this area it's not. This isn't a good area, it's riddled with abandoned homes that drug dealers find and use to sell drugs out of, it's overrun by gang activity. A place that no one should knowingly take a pregnant woman to. A lot of people are pissed, but if you asked Kayla, she was his ride-or-die, even getting Todd's name tattooed on her ribs. At the end of the day, Kyla was an adult who could make her own decisions, and it doesn't sound like any of what was going on was a secret. It's at this point where Kyla's father, Brent, says he feels police genuinely started taking his daughter's disappearance seriously. His daughter and Todd had a history of crime and drug abuse, and a lot of people were referring to the couple as junkies. He felt like because they had a past, people figured they'd just show up one day. It was even speculated that Todd and Kyla were involved in a gang, and I don't think that's a huge stretch. In a lot of their photos and videos, the pair held up hand signs commonly associated with the Bloods. At one point, Todd's Facebook bio was, Live by the Code and Die by the Code. In some photos, they were decked out in all red outfits, and Kyla would sometimes wear a red bandana in her hair. But let's be clear that none of this means that they asked for whatever happened to them. It doesn't mean that they were less valuable, it doesn't mean that they weren't loved. We have to be better than the people who victim blame and victim shame. Todd and Kyla were brothers, sisters, mothers, fathers, sons, daughters, cousins, and friends. They were human beings with worth and value, and we will remember that no matter where this case turns. So, police have found the vehicle, but they haven't found Todd or Kyla. However, Courtney says that police have a suspect in mind that may know where they are. Two days after finding the car, it's rumored that police got an anonymous tip leading them to 900 West Stewart Street, a home at the same intersection their car had been found. They locate 28-year-old Todd Burkhardt's body alone in an abandoned home. He had suffered multiple gunshot wounds. On the same day, police name a person of interest in the case, 30-year-old Larry Dwayne Rogers, the exact same person Courtney had posted about. Larry's name on Facebook is Backwoods on Wildwood. Todd's body was found on a house at the corner of Stewart Street and Wildwood Avenue. Literally, the house on the corner. That's one hell of a coincidence. Larry and Todd were also Facebook friends. Larry, or Backwoods on Wildwood, whichever he prefers, since Larry is probably the worst name for a criminal ever, actually liked the post that Todd made about the drama surrounding whether he was the father of Kyla's baby or not. Larry and Todd were also incarcerated at the Mansfield Correctional Center at the exact same time. So the chances of Larry being the friend he met in prison that he was buying the gun from is getting more and more likely. Police execute a search warrant on 632 Groveland Avenue and find a 40 caliber gun and an extended magazine in a closet that Larry shares with his girlfriend. I wondered why they felt compelled to mention his girlfriend sharing this closet with him. And I believe it was actually his girlfriend's apartment that they wound up searching. Obviously, he stayed there as well, though. Her apartment was less than two miles from where the car and Todd were found. As they do, police file unrelated charges to keep Todd behind bars while the investigation continues. In this case, it was having weapons under a disability, which is something he had been charged with before. This basically means he's a felon in possession of a weapon. Larry had been convicted of felony burglary in 2012, which legally deemed him unable to own or access a firearm, let alone an extended magazine. Uh, what do you need all those bullets for? Are you expecting more than 12 people to try and break into your house at one time? Pregnant Kyla is still missing without a trace. On November 25th, Larry is arraigned on what looks like three counts of having a weapon under disability and is held on a $100,000 bond. Later that same day, on what would have been her 21st birthday, cadaver dogs from the Ohio Department of Natural Resources lead police right to the door of the house only two doors down from the home that Todd was found in. 910 West Stewart Street. Inside, they find pregnant Kyla, deceased. Baby Milo had also passed. She, like Todd, had suffered multiple gunshot wounds. It's said that she had clearly been there for days. The coroner ruled that baby Milo did not die of any gunshot wounds, that he passed because Kyla passed, which means that she had not been shot in the stomach. Not that that offers much comfort. We now have three murders and a four-year-old girl without a mother, father, figure, or little brother. I heard that while there hasn't been much confirmation about where the gunshot wounds were on the body and how many there were to each, that both had been shot in the head at least once, and likely on November 16th, the same day they left for Dayton. Both were killed within feet of one another, more than likely completely aware of what was going on when it happened. One of them had to hear the gunshots that took the life of the person they loved in this world the most. I can only imagine the whole body empty and overwhelming pain that this has to cause. Loved ones of the couple and others who had started following and becoming invested in the case were naturally confused at why it took so long to find Kyla if she was only two doors down from Todd, but there are a few reasons. There were so many abandoned homes in the area that they actually had to request help from federal investigators to help them clear more houses more quickly. And the house that Kyla was found in was split into two apartments. You'll notice in a photo I'll upload to the couple's highlight at the top of my Instagram at the Heather Ashley that there are two front doors to this house, one on the right and one on the left. One of those apartments was occupied, from what I understand, which means that they had power running to the house. And when police knocked on the door in the first days of their investigation, they noticed lights on inside of the home and figured it was occupied, which means that they would need probable cause to enter, which they finally got when the cadaver dogs alerted to the home. Now, when I heard they were found in different homes, I wondered if more than one person was involved in the murders. However, I read somewhere that ballistics came back and both Todd and Kyla had been killed by the same gun. This case is really fresh, which means that articles are popping up and facts are coming and going poof. And that fact has gone poof. So maybe someone spoke too soon. Maybe someone spoke on something they weren't supposed to, but I read it and it's worth mentioning. W.D.T.N. 2 states that the Montgomery County attorney isn't leaving anything off the table, and that includes the death penalty, and he seems pretty confident that charges are going to go through. The station says further testing and toxicology reports will be conducted over the next month or so, but investigators already have enough information to pursue extra charges, and I quote, For that part, we have the information we need. For instance, a homicide charge, a murder charge. We have that information. The rest will be more complete information for trial. What I'm reading is that they already know who did it, they just need to build enough of a case to go to trial before handing down those three charges of homicide against Larry Rogers, who remains the only suspect in these murders. Rumors are going wild and they're worth mentioning. Someone named James on Facebook says that he visited the abandoned home where they found Todd and said that the blood was still on the floor where he was killed. They said he looked like he was looking out the front window at the car when he was shot. James says that a neighbor near the homes where Todd and Kyler were found says that Larry was known to sell drugs out of the bando like crazy. A bando is a slang term for an abandoned house. I can't tell if I'm lame for having to look that up or not. Anyways, He thinks that Kyla was probably waiting in the car for Todd, and when it took too long, she probably went up to the door asking where he was and threatening to call police and then got killed herself. But that's just speculation. A friend of Todd's who didn't want to be named said that Todd became a blood when he was in prison and started taking it really seriously when he got out, that he was slinging drugs for quote unquote big hogs and got set up. He says that there was no reason that anyone would have needed to drive all the way to Dayton to buy a gun and that he could have gotten it in Mansfield if he wanted to and that should have been the first red flag. This friend thinks that Todd probably thought that no one would do anything to him if there was a pregnant girl with him, but in the end, he was a blood in crypt territory, and that's what got him and Kyla killed. Again, more speculation, but both solid theories. I don't think that Kyla was sitting in the car alone, though. It's a really shitty area and not somewhere where you leave your pretty young pregnant girlfriend alone in a Metalworks parking lot across from an abandoned home where you're buying an illegal weapon. But that's only one reason I don't think that she was in the car. Larry's girlfriend deleted her Facebook account shortly after her boyfriend was arrested. But before she did, she had made a post on November 16th complaining about him making her wait in the car for hours. When her Facebook came back a few days later, the post was gone and she had changed her relationship status to single. If, and I mean if, she was sitting outside of the home on Stewart Street when Todd and Kyla were killed, I can't imagine that Kyla was also sitting outside in another car. Todd was laid to rest on November 30th, and Kyla and Milo were laid to rest on December 4th. Larry had a hearing scheduled for December 17th, but it looks like on the 16th, his bond was increased from 100000 to 500000 The paperwork was really confusing and almost made it seem as though he had bonded out and was on a GPS monitoring system, but I called and he's still in custody. He still has a bond of 500000 and his next hearing isn't until February 21st of 2020. At his December hearing, his attorney filed a motion to suppress evidence, which translated means he's fucked. The motion looks like he wants any incriminating statements made by Larry to police thrown out because he wasn't properly made aware of his rights. This is not Larry's first rodeo. Even if they didn't Mirandize him properly, he knows his rights. He's done this before with this exact same charge. His attorney also wants all of the evidence seized during the search warrants thrown out. I see this getting a big shut up and sit down, but we'll see what happens. As of now, we wait for new charges and justice for Todd, Kyla, and baby Milo, and we only hope that their families can get through this time, which will likely be the hardest season of their lives. They lost people they loved unconditionally, and that's heart-wrenching. Sure, Todd and Kyla lived high-risk lifestyles, but we are not the culmination of our worst decisions. We are so much more than that. We all are. As new updates come along in this case, I will let you know immediately. Check out Todd and Kyla's highlight at the top of my Instagram profile for any and all photos and maps pertaining to this case at the Heather Ashley and join me on there tonight at 9 p.m. Eastern for Crime Talk Live, where you go live with me and we discuss what you think happened. If you like your podcast ad-free, head over to our Patreon at patreon.com/bigmadtruecrime or just search Big Mad True Crime on Patreon. Where for a whole dollar a month your episodes will always be ad-free and if you need a little more true crime in your life for 5 whole dollars a month, your episodes are ad-free and you get a bonus exclusive episode each month that only Patreon subscribers get. I'll be bringing you a brand new case one week from today and I cannot wait, but until then, we out.